on today's episode of Heart of the Faithful Ministries, we're going to be speaking on a subject that is highly important in the American uh, zeitgeist right now. It is the subject of abortion. So that being an age-appropriate thing, please make sure that uh, those who are under the age of 18 um, have parental guidance before they listen to this. There isn't any explicit language necessarily. However, it is age-appropriate. So if you would, please make sure that you have permission to listen to this podcast. And with that, we are talking from a male perspective and we'll be going further into the subject with a female perspective on part three. I made this a three-part thing. Um, there was a lot said and a very good amount of information. So with that, let's get started with the show. And uh, by the way, Wayne, we love you. You'll understand what I mean later on. Welcome to the Heart of the Faithful Ministries podcast. This is your host, Ron Howard. Once again, I am with some good friends, some fellow brothers in Christ. We are here to talk about an issue today that is actually something that has been kind of spreading through the nation. We are talking about the issue of abortion. Um, in, in 2001 alone, 22 states um, either started to make it harder for people to get to an abortion clinic. Some made it easier to get an abortion, but uh, for the most part, if you uh, follow anything that has happened in um, Texas or in Missouri or or, now Florida is actually joining in, you'll see that people are limiting the terms as to when you can get an abortion. So with that, I am now today, we're going to go with the newcomer, Michael, you have not been on the show yet, so I'm going to introduce you. This is Michael P. Howington. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Ron. How are you? I am well. I am well. Who are you, buddy? I am. I'm a man who is pleased to be here. (laughs) That works perfect. So I am uh, currently serving as a children's minister and previously was an associate minister. And this is kind of a second career deal for me. So the Christian part of it was not new, but following my calling part was. So I am, you know, an ordained minister and all those good things, but currently in seminary. And I myself have been on somewhat of a a journey. And I'll go ahead and throw the P word out there. This uh, issue of abortion, pro-life pro-choice thing is um, more often more political than um, than religious. And me, as a strong conservative, I am no longer affiliated with the party I used to be affiliated with. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, that, that I am interested in hearing your take on this then. All right. We're going to the, uh, what is known as the pyro preacher, here we are with the young, the young blood. Here is Brandon Western. How you doing, Brandon? I'm doing excellent, brother. Thank you very much for having me on tonight. Awesome, thank you. I'm glad that you're here. So, so what? Who are you, buddy? Well, I am the uh, <clears throat> former assistant director of a men's ministry, a Christian discipleship program. 
mm-hmm. for men who struggle with life controlling issues such as drug and alcohol addiction. And I served there for about six, uh, six years uh, prior to coming to uh, full, uh, senior pastoring the church of Lucerne Baptist Church here in Lilburn, Georgia. Absolutely. That's awesome, buddy. That's awesome. You, and uh, uh, last on our list, Mr. Sergio Wooden, everybody knows him. He's been on several times. Um, Sergio, how are you doing, sir? I'm blessed and highly favored, brother. It's an honor to be here with uh, you gentlemen, uh, brothers in belief. Uh, me, I am the director of a Christian counseling service. Uh, I'm on staff uh, as an associate pastor of sorts for um, the church that I serve here in uh, Stafford, Virginia. Um for me, I am a, a as conservative as conservative can be. Uh, I am a, uh, a man of color. I, I don't don't think that registered in. Um, <laughs> uh, one of the other things that I, I'm mindful of is that um, I'm I'm a veteran. I, I've traveled the world and seen this and several other issues um, from different parts of the world, whether it was in Cuba or Japan or uh, overseas in the Middle East or even in in throughout Europe. So uh, it's one of those that uh, been exposed to it in some different areas of the world, and it gives me a different perspective. But I hope that that's something that comes out and then and I talk tonight, uh, just the, the worldview and then how the worldview has kind of shaped uh, and impacted our view here in the States. We'll start this off with you, Michael, again, just uh, coming to you. Uh, what is one of your evidences of your faith and within your, your conservative nature? What belief do you hold as far as abortion is concerned? <clears throat> um, so in short, and I, I really hate to use you know, lines that we hear all the time, but I believe, and, and I am fairly conservative, and this is a difficult stance to take, but uh, I believe that abortion is wrong in all cases, including life of the mother, rape, incest, and all the other horrible things that one human being does to the other. I just think that all life is, is precious. Um, some uh, denominations, they, <laughs> it's a little bit of, a little bit of irony is, you know, they they side with sanctity of life, you know, protect protect these innocent lives, et cetera, et cetera. But yet they are the first to say, I will be glad to pull the switch on the uh, on the electric chair. Well, sanctity of life is still sanctity of life. So I don't think that we have the right to kill anybody. And my biblical basis from that comes from various sources, predominantly the Old Testament, but also the New Testament. So, you know, in, in the beginning, Genesis 1, 26, 27, we are made in God's image and his likeness. And those words in English think loses a little bit of meaning, um, but we are made as a reflection of, we are made as uh, almost as a miniature idol of God. Not that we are idolized by God, but uh, we are that rep- that physical representation of God. So the creator of the universe who created us, if you read, if you go back and read Genesis 1, he wanted to make something, he said, let it be, let it be, let it be. But when it came to human beings, he made us with his own two hands and he breathed life into us. So life must be important. Elsewhere in the Old Testament, of course, we have the Ten Commandments. Exodus twenty thirteen, for example, comes to mind. And you know, it says, thou shalt not kill. Well, kill is pretty clear. You know, do not take life. 
and then in Psalm. 139, somewhere, I think between 10 and 20 in there, it talks about how, you know, the Spirit of God covered the person before he was even born in his mother's womb. So the others that I've mentioned refer, of course, to people who have already been born. But in this case, this refers to a child that's actually in the womb. So on that hand, um, and of course, in the New Testament, you know, especially this time of year, we talk about John 3.16 a lot. For God so loved the world. He didn't say the world, uh, except for the people who don't want babies, you know, they're okay. He loves every single one of us, even if we don't love him back. He knew us before we were even thought of. He knew us before we were even born. Um, I think the problem is, is we, we've taken that out of the context of the church and through what we call the religious right, we have made that a political issue and it has just come down essentially to party lines, except for some folks on both sides that sort of, you know, the little more moderate there in the middle. And I think in that part of... <laughs> Part of this compromise and these deals with the devil we've made, this is where some of these exceptions have come in, you know, rape and incest and, you know, if, if the, um, the life of the mother or the child is in danger. And one example I always give folks is this is how hard line I am and how much I truly do believe this. Uh, my wife has all sorts of medical problems. If she were to be pregnant, she would die. Um, that is just what the medical science says. <clears throat> Even in that case, my wife, my beloved that person, um, I would not be supportive of an abortion in that case either, because we kind of take God out of that equation. So, from a biblical perspective, you know, that's kind of that's kind of where I always where where I always go. Right, so, so we got a got a pretty good hardliner here. All right, that's good. That's good, Michael. I, I appreciate that, Brandon. What about you? You're next up on the list. What about you? What What is your position, and uh, what oh, kind of upholds that biblically? Well, I mean, I would like to say that uh, I guess the best place to start would be to partner with the Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe himself. Uh, whereas in Matthew chapter 19, verse 18, Jesus makes the reference to the Decalogue saying, thou shalt do no murder. Uh, now, according to Webster's 1828 dictionary, the word murder literally means to kill a human being with premeditated malice, to destroy, to put an end to. The act of unlawfully killing a human being with premeditated malice by a person of sound mind. To constitute murder in law, the person killing another must be of sound mind or in possession of his reason, and the act must be done with malice prepense, aforethought, or premeditated. But malice may be implied as well as expressed. Now let's be real here, because when these people enter into these clinics, this is exactly what they are doing. It's the malicious killing of any human being is, by, by definition, unlawful. Would you not agree with that? Uh, it's premeditated because they've already met with their doctors and discussed this as an option, which then turned into a scheduled uh, doctor's visit later on down the road. Uh, so I would say that it's safe to assume that most are also in possession of a sound mind and within their uh, capabilities of reason. Uh, and while they may not expressly intend it to be an act of malice, it most certainly is implied because they went to the clinic not to bake cookies, but rather to destroy the life growing in the womb. Uh, Proverbs 6, 16 and 19 says, These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, uh, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Now, my question in reference to this would be, who is more innocent than an unborn child? 
But even more than that, I think in these uh, few verses here, I think we could probably make a case for every for all seven of these abominations in the sight of God in the pro-choice argument. I mean, think about it. Uh, what's more proud than someone who thinks that they have the ability to come and take the life of an innocent baby with no repercussions? I would say that would be a, a, a proud individual, a lying tongue, because oftentimes you'll hear that's not a baby. It's a clump of cells or it's, or it's a fetus or whatever. Uh, what about uh, hands that shed innocent blood? Of course, you know, as we said, there's nothing more innocent than an unborn child. What about in heart that deviseth wicked imaginations? How much more wicked is it to, to murder the life of a child in, in his mother's womb? What about feet that be swift in running to mischief? I mean, what could be more mischievous than running to the abortion clinic? Uh, a false witness that speaketh lies kind of touched on that a, a moment ago. And even he that soweth discord among the brethren. I mean, this is something that has infiltrated, unfortunately, into the church. And there are a lot of mainline denominations that are pro-choice. And in my opinion, I don't see how, how, of course, we'll talk about that later on, but that's, that's, a, that's a strange line for me to cross. Uh, but also, in, in, listen to what David says in Psalm 22, verse 10. He says, I was cast upon thee from the, from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. That's a pretty interesting statement. And then finally, he says, uh, now here's one that cannot, that just, in my opinion, cannot be biblically refuted. Luke chapter 1, verses 41 through 44. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Now, it doesn't say that the clump of cells leaped in, in her, uh, Elizabeth's womb. It doesn't say that the fetus leaped in Elizabeth's womb. It says the babe or the baby leaped for joy in his mother's womb. Now, as I was preparing for this, you know, this is this doesn't really mean anything, but I found it to be a strange coincidence. You know, as I was preparing uh, for this, I typed in the word babe into my uh, computer software here found out that the word babe appears exactly six times in the Bible. Yeah, and we know six is the number of man, the same day that God created a man in his own image and likeness on the sixth day. It just so happens to be that the word babe, whatever that means, probably doesn't mean anything, but I find it to be interesting nonetheless. But it says that the babe or the baby leaped for joy in his mother's womb. So in my opinion, Brother Ron, biblically speaking, there is absolutely no way to justify the killing of an unborn child in the womb. I heard that. that. That's a good, that's a good take on that. Uh, I definitely like that. Uh, you know, you say it might not mean anything, but you know, God, he tends to do things with meaning. So we, we don't know. All right. Sergio Wooden, sir, how are you? And, uh, what about your stance and, uh, your business, your biblical, uh, foundation for, for what it is that you believe? So I, I, I so far uh, feel like this is going to be real interesting because we're all coming from at what the same amount of uh, insight and the same amount of passion. Um, mine is very much that uh, I do not, cannot, will not ever support the act of uh, murdering a, uh, an innocent individual. And, and that's what this child is in the womb. It's innocent. It is uh, not there by its own uh, uh uh, actions. It's not there because it decided, hey, I just want to be in somebody's body and I want that person to kill me. No, uh, it, it is far from that. Uh, and again, Brandy, you hit on it uh, quite succinctly that they are the innocent and we are mindful of what scripture says to us about the taking of an innocent's life. 
So for me, I I started with uh, Exodus twenty two. Um, uh, 21, uh, pardon me, uh, verses 22 through 25. When men strived together and hit a pregnant woman so that her child came out, but there was no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fined as the woman's husband shall impose upon him and shall pay as the judges determine. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, two for two, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, strike, strike, uh, so forth and so on. Now, I, I get that there are those who would say that, and eh, that's, that's a little stretch, but it gives uh, bearing to how significant life is uh, and how important it is that we protect it. Uh, we're mindful that in that regard, there are several things that we should consider, and uh, one of those comes from uh, Jeremiah uh, chapter 1, uh, verses Four and five, which says, uh, "Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. God knew us.' And as Michael uh, alluded to earlier, uh, He created us in His own image. He desired for us to be greater than what we are. And further on in, in verse five, uh, before you were born, I consecrated you and appointed you to be a prophet in this." Particular version, uh, prophet to the nations. And then we know we're speaking, uh, we're speaking uh, particularly about an individual, but it goes to the point that God knows mm. us more intimately than we could ever uh, consider. And then to consider that we as sinful men, and I say the collective sinful man, uh, that we would consider that we have the right to take a life is an abomination to me. Uh, Another passage that I look to, to to see the importance of life is in Isaiah 49, uh, 1B. And God called me from the womb and the body of my mother. He named me by name. Again, we are the precious creation of God. And there is nothing more evil than for us to think that we can by any means usurp the power and authority of God and say that we're doing this for the sanctity of another individual. Uh, I think that that's the the problem, that we have tried to replace God in so many different areas and take over uh, control and and authority. And I think that that's really where um, government has (laughs) tried to to do a little bit more than it should have ever done. But that's where I, I come from. Right. Well, that that kind of segues right into what we need to talk about next, which is kind of the role of the government. Now, in 1973, Roe versus Wade um, was was put in place. The the case was a very famous case. It kind of made um, abortion a legal precedent for America. Uh, everything was ratified into the uh, the 14th article. Uh, and so, so I mean, the 14th Amendment, so now it's protected under the 14th Amendment as a civil right. Now, before we get straight into that, though, I want to ask a question. So, so Michael, you're, you're kind of the hardliner, so I'm going to hit you up on this one. So, 
say a person. Play it on me, brother. You got it. So say <laughs> say a, a female is is in a position to where okay, well, well, let's talk about the rape issue. Okay, so for a, a female that is rape because that is the that's like the number one go to argument, isn't it? That I oh, what if what if she's been raped? She doesn't want to have that child. That's just horrible. Why would you want her to do that? What what would you say to that? Um. So, so let me make a statement first um, to help illustrate my answer here. So sin is sin, right? If I go kill somebody, if I you know, cheat on my wife and somebody, or if I don't tell the cashier that piece of bubble gum that's in my mouth that I don't pay for it, it's still sin, right? Sin is sin. So in the case of rape, that baby is unwanted. Doesn't matter the reason why the baby's unwanted, just like if I, you know, I'm not ready to have a child, it's unwanted. It's unwanted in either case, and we do not have the right to terminate a pregnancy that's unwanted. The choice that we make in that, um, and, and rape, well, let me phrase that. With the exception of rape and molestation and those heinous acts, most of the time, the choice that leads to the pregnancy is a wanted choice. Um, in those other heinous cases, that is a that is that is a wanted choice by the um, uh, by the perpetrator when committing the, the act. So, I find it interesting that um you know here there, there's four guys talking about this issue. We cannot relate to rape. We cannot relate to uh, inset. Well pregnancy by incest because we're not female we don't really have that female take and i and i bring that up to say that that is the argument i've been given is well you men shouldn't decide this and that is part of the problem that's led to some of these decisions is that it's been men thinking from a men perspective so said all that to say getting to your question is yeah so the baby's unwanted yes you didn't have a choice of the matter yes that baby is probably going to be a reminder of this horrible thing. And I have counseled people in that situation. I've known some people um, and it's, you can't just go to counseling for a couple of months and get over it. I mean, there are <clears throat> long-term consequences to the person, um, you know, baby or not, to the person who has been raped or molested as, you know, say a child and these kind of things. So that, that begs the question, okay, then why do I, why am I being forced to keep this baby that I didn't want that I didn't create? Well, what was your first question? Why is it wrong? That's why. Because that baby is also made in God's image and God's likeness. Your worst enemy is made in God's image and God's likeness. So I don't think the government really has a role in that case. Um, but I do think as Christians, we are to uphold the laws of the land because the laws of our land, they in theory um, are made by people that we have empowered to be in office. And these same people continue to get elected year after year or cycle after cycle after cycle after cycle so yes it is a um it is a very complicated issue uh in this nation or this notion of this nation being created under god means that it should not be permitted because that's that is against you know christian beliefs but as you alluded to earlier there are so many differences within denominations. Some tend to be more liberal. Some tend to be more moderate. Some tend to be more fundamental or more conservative. Um, and that's where they kind of rank in. So the problem is not really the government as much as it's the problem with the church. What are we teaching? What do we believe? Do we make these exceptions? Is it okay in this case? Is it okay in that case? It's never okay for us to say, ah, you know, you little image bearer. You little reflection of God, the creator of the universe, 
your life doesn't matter. Um, you don't have the right to be born. We are speaking on behalf of, and we are choosing to terminate that life, regardless of the circumstances. I mean, how many bad people have you met that you just thought, well, you know, if she had been, a, if she had just gotten an abortion, that child wouldn't have grown up to do these kind of things. That is no different in this case. And I know that's, I know it doesn't sound like it's that black and white, but it is that black and white because life is precious. So the lawmakers are chosen by the voters, just like the Hebrews who demanded that everyone, they be like everyone else and they have kings rather than judges. We demand this or that person to be elected or reelected. And if the law is on the books, I do think it should be supported. Should it be on the books? I do not think so, because I don't think that the, you know, the government can dictate that side of it. But we're also talking about a nation, one nation under God, right? Well, not everybody's a Christian. So is it okay for us to legislate morality? Is it okay for us to say, ah, well, we're Christian and we believe our Christian views, which conflict with your views, they supersede anything because then that's just forcing religion on people or, or religious practices on people. So the, in short, I think that, uh, <laughs> you know, it comes right down to us. We kind of take the easy route. Um, the government, you know, should never take a stand on this at any time, uh, but it should, based on the constitution, represent the wishes and the will of its citizens. So if these representatives are in fact doing what the majority of their constituents want, then the people have spoken based on how how our system of government works. So rather than place you know the burden on the government, I think we got to get back to our roots. We have to know um, what they do as a result of our decision. We put them in office. If we're against abortion, well, maybe the churches can kind of come together and say, you know, this isn't okay. What can we do to help all of these uh, districts or all of these states elect different representatives at all levels? You know, county up through up to the White House. And at the same time, keep in mind that we should not legislate morality. Even Jesus said, when the you know, Pharisees were trying to trick him, he said, render to Caesar what's Caesar, render to God what is God. And this was a situation where the Roman Empire was saying, ah, 50% taxes? No, we need 90. We need whatever we feel like we need right now. I mean, they were being untaxed or they were being overtaxed very unfairly. And Jesus in that moment even said, you need to do what's right in the eyes of the government as well as in the eyes of god but the problem comes in well as we're talking you know we <laughs> if abortion's wrong and it's a law in our books then you know they're they're really that doesn't leave a whole lot of middle ground um we are made of free will and we should indeed be <clears throat> the spirit and that should influence um the right individual choices uh, so that and that's kind of a thing and hopefully we'll get to that conversation in a minute but that choice, it currently looks like that's the only choice, but there are other choices. And what we should really do is work to influence the hearts and minds of the people so that they know that they have other choices and the choice they make is rejection of abortion. But right now, that's the easiest choice. We sure do spend a lot of time screaming about pro-life and abortion is murder, but what if we approach our fellow citizens and promote the supposed love we say that we have? Um, by you know offering these other alternatives, why don't we put our money where our mouth is instead of just saying, "You're in this bad situation. You shouldn't murder your child." But we have no options like adoption and fostering and the community. But what a concept! What if the church came together to help that woman who's in that situation deal with what she's got to deal with instead of just saying, "No, you can't do that." And oh, by the way, service is over. We got to go. You know, the church seems to not be there. So if if I'm that situation, rape or otherwise, 
that's probably the first thing that would come to my mind because that's quick, that's easy, and that is the much simpler option because that's the only option that seems to be there. Good answer. I like that. Thank you very much, Michael. And, and I have to say, I, I, uh, brother, brother, yeah, hold, hold, excuse me. I just, yeah, go for move it. Move from that. I want to speak to that. Mm-hmm. Now it's good. Yeah, now it's okay. fine. Yeah, so, absolutely. Go for it. So, number one, I would just like to say that that particular argument is truthfully almost like a straw man and even, you know, maybe even a red herring because less than 1% of abortions take place as a result of rape, incest, or life of the mother. It is a very, very low percentage of abortions that take place as a result of that. But the interesting thing is, and I don't want to make an overgeneralization uh, by any stretch of, of the imagination, but typically when you ask a pro-choice, um, you know, an individual that, that holds to the pro-choice worldview, when you ask them, what do you think in, 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 about the death penalty? Let's say that somebody is on trial for murder. Do you think that government should be able to enact the death penalty on that person? And again, not to make an overgeneralization, but most of the people on that side of the argument are against capital punishment. And, 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 and when you, and, and my, so my thing is, People who say, well, in the, in, I'm, I'm against abortion, except in the si situation of rape, incest, or life of the mother. My question, especially in reference to your question about rape, my question is, why is, is it that you're, you know, uh, against capital punishment for the perpetrators of crime, but you're for capital punishment on the innocent lives of the children of perpetrators for those crimes? So let's say, for instance, the man who rapes, the, you know, the young lady who ends up being pregnant, Let's let this, you know, we'll put him in jail. I think he deserves the death penalty, personally. And I think, biblically speaking, you can make a case for that as well. So I think the, the rapist deserves the capital punishment. I think the child of the rapist deserves to live. But the bottom line is, less than 1% of abortions take place as a result of those particular instances. Go for it, Sergio. What, do, what is your perspective on this, buddy? Well, I, I, I think uh, Brendan and Michael bring up uh, some very uh, pertinent <clears throat> and uh, prudent points uh, to Michael. Uh, the fact that that's the easy uh, answer or the easy scenario for us to be given and the fact that uh, there aren't other considerations, that's troubling. And that's part of uh, the church, the global body not being as vocal as we need to be. Uh, and there are surely enough organizations where we're talking, uh, focus on the family, whether we're talking uh, uh, crisis pregnancy centers, uh, whether we're talking about any number of ventures to show that there are other things to do or other ways to address the pregnancy. These aren't always easy. I'm sorry. But I'm here to tell you that being a Christian, being a believer, being a follower is not easy. And so we have to we have to be compassionate and we have to walk through the situation with the individual who is going through it. And if we're not walking through them in this most difficult time, then are we really being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ like he has ordered us to? That's one thing. Then, Brandon, you you brought up the, the, the statistic of less than 1%, and you're all, all right around 
And here's a statistic that was done uh, a couple of years back by the uh, Group Mounter uh, Institute. And this is one of those that'll get you thinking about some things. Two out of three women that had abortions in the United States identified themselves as Christians. Mm. Two out of three. Yeah. So what is that? What is that saying to us about what we have taught doctrinally? How are we going back and supported that um, in in discipleship? How have we really invested in those who are in those uh, unique circumstances, or has it just become that we are allowing folks to take the easiest way out of an unplanned, unintended pregnancy? And I think that that's where we have found ourselves. You know, uh, there used to be a time in our history if a young lady got pregnant, her her, her family, her parents sent her to, to the great aunt or the great uncle or the great grandparents that didn't live in the same area, and she was gone the last latter part of her pregnancy, and then that family adopted the child into their own, raised it as their child. That that young lady came back and. You know, well, where, where was Sally going for six months? Uh, oh, I was visiting family for six months. You you just up and just disappeared for six months. About the time she would have started showing, and then a little bit after her, uh, giving birth. But it's one of those where, right or wrong, that was handled differently. Now it's a matter of how easy, how convenient, and We've allowed it to be an agenda that was presented, uh, approved to be legalized, and now we have a, an epidemic where, uh, and this is one of those statistics that we'll, I hope we'll get to, that worldwide, nearly 73 million, 73 million abortions take place. Worldwide. It's a problem. Well, I, I, I think in, sp- in speaking to the uh, the fact of uh, the church's role, especially in the act of such a heinous event as rape, as, as you guys both you know kind of mentioned a moment ago, the church's you know, role with that. You know, I think Brother Michael made mention that, you know, it's one thing to sit here and cry abortion is wrong. Abortion is wrong. But it's a whole nother thing to be able to like, say, for instance, I'm 100 percent in you know, opposition to abortion as well if for any reason whatsoever. But the thing is, rather than just cry abortion is wrong, we ought to be standing, like, say this, you know, we, we stand beside a woman who has been raped. You're a Christian counselor. You know, we get this woman the help that she needs. You know, we walk with her. We even you know, find ways to help support her financially. You know, whatever it takes to, you know, to be able to uh, you know, rectify this particular situation. But just to speak, speak to the idea of you know, being you know, docile in, in reference to the laws of the land, I just I, I kind of see it a little bit different than what Brother Michael said a moment ago, because I think biblically speaking that we could say that we follow the laws of the land until, you know, the laws of the land require us to sin. And so and I think biblically speaking, I, you know, the people that come to my mind is Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. You know, the law of the land was to bow down and worship the image of Nebuchadnezzar. But Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego said, no way, Jose. And we're not we'll, we'll never bow down. We'll, we'll only worship the one true God. So they throw them into the fiery furnace. And, you know, but before that, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, they, you know, comes to them and, and threatens them uh, with the fiery furnace. 
But in response, he says, well, we believe that our Lord will deliver us out of your hand. But even if he doesn't, we're never going to follow this particular law of the land. And I think as a church, that's where we should stand. You know, we obviously need to be doing a better job teaching sound doctrine. I'm 100 percent for that in big time. And that's one of my major spiels is doctrine matters, you know. And so, you know, there's there's in discipleship and all those things that go along with it. It is a very disconcerting statistic that two out of three women are Christians that enter into those you know, abortion mills and whatever. But you know, as far as the law of the land, I, I think that Jesus would would rebuke, you know, Caesar's law 100 percent, you know, 10 times over. You know, if it forced us to, you know, the atrocity of 73 million babies, innocent children being murdered in the mother's womb. Jesus would reject that. I reject that no matter whose law it is. And I think that, that as Christians, we all should. I, I hear you, and I don't necessarily disagree with the logic. Um, but what I would say is that in the example that I use, render to Caesar what Caesar's, that was a form of oppression against the Jews in particular. Um, there, there, there was a racial tone with that, but uh, that was a form of oppression, and he still said, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. It is a complicated matter that the government shouldn't be in at all, but if you look at the church, there's two sides to that. You know, one, there are 33,000, 33,000, based on the uh, 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 P organization, uh, denominations. <clears throat> and, you know, that that's not a fair number because that factors in independent churches and some other things. But anyway, if you were to water it all down and just say there's a thousand or even 500 denominations, you will get uh, probably <clears throat> three different biblical views. And they all believe that they are fundamentally sound, their doctrine is sound, and their view is right. Some of those views might be that exception and rape, incest, and, you know, or you're just not ready and, you know, it's going to be worse for the child. So it's better to terminate the life than others will be hardliners. But the other side of the church is, um, what happens when, and today it might not be as bad as it was a few years ago, but so I'm a 15 year old kid and I've a girl and I've been raped. Um, they're all, everyone in that church is, that knows it is going to look at me different. They are not going to look at me with necessarily love. They will have some love and of course pity, but I'm going to be different. I'm going to be changed. And I've seen those with my own two eyes, um, which don't work as well as I used to, <laughs> but my, my own two eyes, nonetheless, the other side is, you know, girl gets knocked up whether it's her choice or not and what does the church say oh well we can't have that that's that's the wrong message blah 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 blah, blah. there's not acceptance there's not love so without that you can't get the support and some of these other options should include adoption and some other stuff well let's go back to the government well the government's made it extremely difficult in the name of protecting innocent children um for a good family <laughs> to adopt a child um, the foster care system, which is supposed to be this place, whatever, um, that is a broken system run, of course, again, by the government. And then we work, our church works with um, a friend's house. Um, and these aren't necessarily unwanted children from, you know, uh, you know, they, they had a child and then surrendered it for adoption. But still, they take care of these unwanted children. They get very little government support. They are always doing fundraisers. They never have enough money. They never have enough volunteers and they never have enough space for all the needs that are out there. I think when you address those kind of things, that is very much 100% a biblical and a Christian and Jesus, it's Jesus, man. That is, I think probably what Jesus would say is that's where we need to spend our time. And some of these same people that we've all referenced throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament, both, there was this this uh, affection almost towards the, for lack of a better term, the, the underprivileged. So widows, the poor, 
the homeless, all these kind of people that we are not emulating, we're not doing today. So where we have chosen not to act, where we have chosen not to be unified, we have set the basis and the foundation to say, government, you tell us what to do. Now, this one nation under God, we are all Christians, but we're going to rely on the government to say this is this is right, this is wrong, and to dictate. And if you're going to take a stand on this one issue, that's fine. But there are so many laws um, all, all across the nation, uh, state and federally both, that also could you could make the same argument to um, you know argue that you know we shouldn't follow it just because it's against our religion <laughs> as an adage but it's against our religion we shouldn't follow it so I, I think if you're if you're going to take that stand that should be equally applied across all things because we should be Christian in all matters not just the ones we're most passionate about I heard you talk about with uh, a person who has had or, or has been raped or has had to deal with something and then goes to church and they're looked on as less than human or someone who isn't um, whole or they're, they're, they're pitied or there's something that's going on there that people see with some kind of a pious eye, if you would. Uh, now, with within our Christian walk, and, and, and we're all in ministry here, every single one of us, in some form of ministry. So with that, has it been the case where you've seen, uh, and this goes to all of you, but that you see the 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 righteousness side of the command of to to you know love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and 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 then there's a second which is just as great, which is what is love thy neighbor as thyself. Greater than thyself. Greater than. Greater okay, than so, so we'll pick and choose though who it is or what it is that it's um, worthy of our love. When it comes to a hard case, we will, we will sit there and we'll, we'll pick like, Oh, we're going to, we're going to give money to the poor or we're going to do something. But with something like this, this and, and, you know, male pornography and, and other little issues that if you dare say anything in the church, you will be ostracized. Whether, whether they kick you out or not, you will be ostracized. But, it, it, it's a one-on-one -on -one thing. It's something that you have to deal with it personally. And because of that, we tend to not want to get involved. We'll give money towards it, but the hands, we can't really get them dirty. I don't know. I mean, is, is this something that is across the board or what you no, got? No, and, and, so it, it is the, the crux of our human condition. We, we don't like to deal with the taboo. And the taboo or the elephant in the room is that there are sins and sin is equal across the board. I think we would all agree with that. There's only one sin that is greater than all the rest. And we know that that is uh, the blasphemy of the, the, the Holy Spirit, right? We, we all agree on that one? Yes. That, that's the one unpardonable. Or that's the one sin greater than all else to, to utterly renounce. Uh, the, 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 the power or the work that Christ did, we got it. When we talk about the things that we're uncomfortable with talking about, whether it is the rape or the incest that takes place at a, uh, an incredible rate within the African American, uh, community. When we talk about the perversions that happen that lead a child to question their uh, sexual identity. We don't want to talk about it. When we talk about uh, pornography, when we talk about uh, 
second and third marriages within the church. We don't want to talk about it. We we like to push those things off. And at the root of it is that we still have people who are broken. And the only way that those people can be mended is if we, the church, show them God. And if we're not willing to be the, the hands and feet of God to actually work in those situations, we probably need to change the title that we give ourselves. We should stop calling ourselves Christians and be something else. Because Christian is little Christ. And I'm embodying what Christ has told me to do, which is go and minister to, minister to those who are in need. One of the things that we had a difficult time with, uh, church we were working with uh, down in the Hampton Roads area of Virginia, was that we would fundraise, 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 go out, buy, buy, and it would only be for a season of, of time. It would be uh, uh, close to Mother's Day. But what happens the rest of the year? You, know, you can collect, you know, uh, 20,000 diapers. Great. You can get um, 2,000 cans of instant formula. Great. You can get these to-go um, mommy bags that just are uh, laden with things, and it's great and it's beneficial, but it's for a small period of time. And I'm sorry, but that's just not how we were commanded to do. And we have to t we have to bear that in mind. And the other portion of it is is that we we will look and judge. But last time I checked, not a single one of us is righteous enough to judge what's going on in somebody else's life versus what's going on in mine. We are to 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 witness. We are to share the hope that we have, but to judge. And say, well, you know, she she was a she was loose, and she got pregnant, and she already got two other ones, and they ain't got the same daddy, and so it's probably best for her to go ahead and have abortion because Lord knows we don't need another burden on society. Well, you know, our our nation has a history <clears throat> of picking and choosing what we like and what we don't like. If you look at our nation, how we treated human beings by enslaving them how we then treated uh, these former slaves and their descendants. So our race relations don't speak very well to the religion of Jesus. Um, how we treated women. Our history does not speak well to the religion of Jesus in our treatment there. And it has taken many, well, it's taken a whole lot of years to kind of fix those kind of things. So you're right. I completely agree with that. But, you know, the basis of what in Jesus's teaching, um, you know, it really is Old Testament theology. And if you go way back to the beginning and the Ten Commandments, six out of ten of those aren't dealing with us and God. They are dealing with us and us. The rules of the Israelites, the, you know, that's an argument you hear about the Old Testament. Oh, all those rules, most of those laws had to do with how to be, how to take care of the land, how to take care of one another. We are made relationally. God wants relationship with us. He wants us not in solid worship with him all the time. I mean, we do, <clears throat> of course, but it is how we serve one another. And it is that, that doctrine of love, for lack of a better term, we don't treat one another the right way. We sometimes don't even treat our fellow Christians the right way because maybe you're in a church where 
Oh, you like, okay. So I went to Redan and I, you know, lived in Stone Mountain and I went to uh, Smoke Rice Baptist. I was not as accepted in the youth group. It wasn't as much as a kid, but in the youth group because of my zip code, there was all this judgmentalness. Um, and you still see that in a lot of churches today, you know, where you live, the kind of car you drive, the clothes you have. So we're judging there. Um, you know, if you're a, if you're a big donor to the church, then, uh, well, you know, maybe we can make you a deacon. Maybe we can make you in charge of this board. So, you know, it's the selfish nature that we have and we've kind of forgotten. And Howard Thurman, I think, is an understated theologian. And Howard Thurman said that he was not a Christian. His denomination was the religion of Jesus. We have got to spend more time figuring out how to live our lives in the way that Jesus gave us that example. Jesus taught us while he was on earth. We've preached many sermons, had many Sunday school lessons on this topic. So you get into these kind of situations and the people need love. What led to the situation to begin with, in some cases, was a lack of love, was a lack of support. Um, and if you look at uh, communities of color, uh, uh, African-Americans in particular, but the, let's see, what was the other, Latinos, they suffer at a much higher rate on the, some of these kind of things and not just unwanted pregnancies, not just, <clears throat> um, you know, my opinion that, well, they got too many babies and, you know, the, 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 and, and that's the argument I hear from a lot of these conservatives too, is that, well, that's my tax dollars and that's just, I'm taking care of another child. And then, you know, I'm also the, the you know, I mean, I'm, I'm the, uh, the charge of the deacons at church too, you know, and this is inconsistent behavior and we have kind of, kind of get back to those bases um, and if we are loving and serving one another and that whole neighbor love thing, you're right, Sergio. And I've had this argument and I've been told I shouldn't be talking this way in church. And it's not just one church, it's several churches. But, you know, around Christmas time, everybody gets so loving and so supportive. They want to give all this oh. food. They want to do all these things. They want to take these selfies and say, look at how awesome I am. But my question is, did you know people are hungry all year long? People are homeless all year long? You know, what? So where are you? And this whole sanctity of life thing, and I've gotten to this argument in conservative circles and conservative churches, is that, well, Black Lives Matter is having a, a, a vigil for somebody who died, right? Why aren't we there praying with these other pastors? And forget the politics of the side. This is just human beings. Um, there was a kid in Conyers that uh, was run over by a bicycle, uh, or he was on his bicycle, and car ran over bicycle. He died. He's like 9, 10, something like that. I couldn't get a single church to do a prayer vigil. And then his church did do something, but nobody showed up. So if abortion mm. is wrong and abortion is murder, what about this child, this innocent child who was just riding his bicycle? He got pulled over. So my point here, I said all that to say this, is that we say one thing, but what we do doesn't always match. It's a little inconsistent. And, you know, I think, I think that that's kind of where the problem is. And I think that work should be done inside church, you know, church in church with a big C. I mean, um, you know, we need to kind of correct, you know, do a little bit of a course correction. Um, and in doing that, I think eventually this mess we've made, we can, you know, kind of help clean it up some, but where did Jesus spend his time? It was with all those people. Um, it wasn't with the, the, the ruling class. It wasn't with the rich. It wasn't with, with the powerful it was with all the marginalized people. So you look at the uh, the woman at the well. A church would say, "Oh, yeah, you're you a hoe. Don't come at our building. Don't come here." I just took a drink of coffee. I'm gonna spit it out. Said, well, I, I, I was like, "Wait, wait, wait! Did did did, did the Michael Houndin that I know say that?" <laughs> oh man. 
what did he do? What did he say? He said, you're right. And, you know, the guy you're hooking up with now is also not your husband. But you know what? I love you. Uh, I mean, that's not direct, a direct quote, but you kind of get the essence of what I'm saying here. And I don't think that we have that response to people, no matter how we judge them. We need to have that response. So when we get down to this issue that we are supposed to be talking about rape and incest and just, you know, terminating pregnancy in general, we have a lot of truth from church, but we don't have much grace as we demand Jesus give to us. I think that's right. Uh, you know, one of the things, and I know, you know, with Brandon, I have listened to his preaching and he has said some things and had some sermons that, man, you just want to get up and you just want to clap your hands and you just want to, I mean, he's a very good preacher, very, very stout man of God. And he preaches this and I'm pretty sure that you're going to agree with me on this. You would trade all of those accolades if the sermon was sinking in. <laughs> what do you have to say to that? I mean, I, I totally agree 100% in reference to the inconsistencies within the body of Christ. I mean, there's no, there's no way around that. And that's, you know, and I would say that I'm only 36 years old, but I can say that even in my lifetime, I mean, I've seen a shift in the short amount of years that I've even been alive. You know, the society today is not what it was 20 years ago. It's definitely not what it was 50 years ago, 100 years ago, so on and so forth. However, I will say that I don't know if there's a way to actually eradicate, you know, the inconsistencies. That's part of human nature. Unfortunately, we, you know, as the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 7, you know, in the present tense, a lot of people want to put it in the past tense, but the Apostle Paul understood that he had a sin nature that he continued to wrestle with on a daily basis. Uh, you know, and, and I think to speak to the point that's being, uh, you know, made here today, that there's a lot of law being preached, but there's not a lot of gospel. Or there's a lot of gospel being preached and there's no law, but there should be a healthy balance of both. There should be both law and gospel convict them just like what Jesus did to the woman at the well. He convicted her with the law of God, and then he built her up with the gospel. And that's exactly what we ought to be doing. We ought to lay people's sins bare in the pulpit and outside of the pulpit, you know, in our one-on-one -on -one discipleship classes, you know, in, in, every, in every aspect that we do, as especially as pastors and uh, church leaders and, and deacons and whatnot, we ought to be laying people's sins bare with the gospel, I mean, with the, with the law, just for instance, with, with the abortion. Hey, I'm not going to call it abortion. I'm going to call it murder because that's what murder. it is. And I don't know if we're going to get to this. You know, I don't know how long you're going to go. I'm I'm down till whenever. But you know, I got a lot of things you know to speak on in reference to these specific things that I'll you know kind of kind of hold on to. But you know, it's the read it's the redefining of terms. You know, it's to make thing to make sin much more palatable, to make sin much more you know, except socially acceptable. And that's exactly what's happening. You know, abortion is no longer murder. It's, you know, it's, it's health care. But, you know, I mean, because when you call it health care, it's a heck of a lot. We're going to call it just a choice. It's a choice. It's my body, my right. Now, now to, but, to hold on, to say to that, hold on just a second, to say to that, I will speak to that. Um, uh, One second uh, is the fact that I did actually have a female who is going to be on here, a young lady named Carrie. Uh, she's a friend of ours from from way back in, back, talking about the Redan days. Sergio's from Redan. I'm from Redan. Michael, you also, we all have uh, 
I believe we all have Wayne in common. So that kind of speaks to our, our histories. So yeah, exactly the same here. Okay. (laughs) But I I actually had a female coming on and I I didn't really want to talk too much on the, my body, my choice thing, just because of the fact that I didn't have a, a female perspective on it because, you know, with, um, according to the association of psychology, it, it is, um, it is, less stressful for the female after the abortion, according to them. So for, for them, they don't believe that there is a post abortion uh, trauma or post abortion disorder. So I can't really go into that. And and I'm just going to go ahead and tell everybody on the, on the podcast that we will be having a, a Carrie come on and speak to that from a female perspective. But until then, here we are with the male perspective and we'll continue with this. Later on, on part two, uh, I'm so grateful for my guests for coming on. It's been a pleasure to talk with all of you, and we will see you back on part two of this. Um, Please make sure that you like, subscribe, leave us a a good review. We would love to hear from you. Um, We have a Facebook page. We are Heart of the Faithful Ministries, and I am Ron Howard reminding you to stay vigilant, my friends, and we cannot wait to see you on the next Heart of the Faithful Ministries.